You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Pizza Friday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We're going to alternate happy pods with upset pods. Who knows how long that's going to be? Hopefully not forever, uh, but hopefully it's because there's more positives than negatives. Aaron Judge got the day off on Wednesday and it was not just for a soul cleansing we're going to talk about that. Glaber Torres, through six games, not a major league shortstop. How much longer will he not be one? I don't know, but I'm looking at what I'm seeing, and that's all I have to tell you. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question, and we will be more than happy to answer it, as long as that mailbag question isn't, why did Rob Manfred put a free runner on second base to start the 10th inning, giving an inherent advantage to the road team in all extra inning scenarios? Can't answer that one for you. Would love to be able to answer that one for you, but I simply can't. Thomas Carinante, what's going on? We are certainly going... This is like the podcast I did solo two weeks ago where I Mm -hmm. waited all day for an Aaron Judge update, and then all I heard was he was a little under the weather and was doing intake testing. Surely we will learn more about Aaron Judge on Friday, but folks, we don't have to wait this time. I'm going to go ahead and guarantee you he is not playing today. A IL stint feels like a 70-30 reality if it does or doesn't happen. Doesn't really change the tenor of the podcast. Not something that fans should be irrationally upset about, but but it's only six games in and we've already got one of these. I'm going to go ahead and guarantee the IL stint. Uh, Just with the way this has been progressing, we have the end of spring training. What He didn't play the final three games and and he was off for four days So because they had an off day in between. So he had the final four days of spring training off. 
And then he had the days before opening day off. So that was what closer to a week of not doing anything. Um, and something was fishy there. People thought it was an injury. Uh, people thought it was COVID, but it ended up just apparently being, it's just over and over again. It seems like we're being lied to. I don't want to directly accuse Aaron Boone, and Brian Cashman of lying to us, but that's what it feels like. Cause because, it's all of them. It's not yeah, one of them. It's of not course. Boone lying to us. No. It's the whole squad line. It could be the training staff, you know, not giving, not wanting to, I guess, drop a bomb on them before they have to talk to the media when they're, when they're not entirely sure. I don't know what it is. I really don't, but it seems like once again, there's a disconnect in the communication. Um, something is not right because then we have Boone say a few days ago that, Hey, you know, I like to take Aaron judge out of games when, when possible, because every little bit helps. Like, why are you saying that in game four? That's my There's favorite because you don't no like reason. doing that. You, you don't like you taking like Aaron judge out of games. I, look, I am all for taking guys out when it's 10, nothing. And there's two innings left, you know, let, let Talkman get the reps, get Guardy in there. If he needs to Higgy, all, all the guys, just get them in there. Let them familiarize themselves with what's going on because you're going to want them to be ready for game speed as the season goes on. But I mean, to just say that and then two days later have it be, oh, yeah, now he's got a side thing. Oh, now it's an oblique. Oh, now, uh, you know, we're monitoring the situation. It's like, why couldn't we just have been told? Because you're looking at all this information, you're like, oh, okay, so. This side soreness thing definitely happened at the end of spring training. That's why he didn't play. You know, you're telling us he's feeling under the weather kind of feels like, like BS now. Um, and once again, we're here and I hate to talk about this because it seems like a doomsday topic, but how are we supposed to truly envision Aaron judges future in the Bronx? If now we're six games in to the 2021 season and we're already having durability issues. He simply cannot stay on the field. I don't know what's going on. Well, obviously, we don't have a full-on update now, but um, Boone is referencing basic wear and tear at the beginning of the year. I don't know what wear and tear there is at the beginning of an MLB season. I understand there's been a lay, there was a layoff of sorts last year. He only had 28 games of action before the, before the postseason, uh, but he had all offseason to work out, played most of spring training, I don't know what the difference between spring training and playing in MLB games entirely is if you're getting a similar amount of reps. So that uh, that's an, yet another quote that's alarming. Um, but you have to think about his future in the Bronx. And I don't know how these two sides figure out a contract extension if, you know, he can't stay on the field and the Yankees need to s- kind of solidify their star power status. It's like, what, what are we going to do with this guy? We love him. We want him here forever. But like, if you're playing, if you're playing a hundred games a year, it's not really going to work out for us. So I hate to talk about it, but it, it does need to be broached. It's a subject that needs to be talked about at greater length. I think this one is so weird to me only because I think we can all safely assume something's been going on with judge for several weeks now. And it's felt like something he could play through considering he did he went yeah. three for five in his most recent game with a absolutely rip job home run to left field um and people noticed some of his behaviors were different obviously he wasn't rounding the bases at full speed in that last orioles game he played he pulled up on that fly ball to right which objectively good he should be doing that i do not need aaron like even if he didn't have a side thing i don't need aaron judge diving in early april 
for bloops. Just at no point do I need that. I'm a realist. I like even if a run scores because of it, I'm just not going to get bent out of shape over Aaron Judge diving in an April game or or deciding not to. Um, but I was just I was encouraged because it did feel like he was battling something, and all the signs pointed to us being lied to by the front office again. And so he was playing through it and he was playing spectacularly and it wasn't really hampering him other than to the extremely trained eye. You could see he was maybe flinching and, and John boy mentioned he was, you know, doing a couple late last minute catch up swings, guessing off speed, getting fastballs, et cetera. Yeah. But overall he was still, I mean, he's hitting in the high three sixties or whatever with ridiculous power that he showed off against Wade LeBlanc in his most recently played game. Uh, but then they take him out of Wednesday's game. That doesn't even really set off alarm bells to me either because I, I don't particularly care if he's playing in game three of a three-game Orioles series if he's fighting something. But then you get the Boone spin machine, and it's, well, I like to give him a couple innings every chance I get. No, you don't. The only other time you've ever done that was in the Atlanta game last year when you said you were giving him <laughs> a couple innings. The Yankees almost blew a 7 nothing lead, and then it turned out it was something much more than that, and he went on the IL, then he came back off it, and then he went on it again. So... That wasn't just giving him a couple innings. That wasn't just a personal preference. That was a proactive decision to get him out of a game when he was hurting. Coincidentally or not, came right after he hit a home run in that one, too. Uh, you wonder if it's these home run swings that set his body off and are the final straw. I hope not, because <laughs> hitting home runs is is his thing. So if he can't physically do it, not great. Um, but the only other time we've seen Boone do this was in like the, a game with the same score, and it wasn't preventative. So... I hope this is just a preventative measure. I hope he plays. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a chance he plays in Friday's game. Maybe we'll have to eat our words, but regardless of whether he does, I hope he plays at least one game this weekend. It's the stupid turf in Tampa. I hope they give him a chance to get off his feet. Maybe he DHs and Talkman or Gardner plays and Stanton sits on one of those. Stanton's going to sit in one of those games, right? Yeah. So it feels like judge, if he doesn't hit the IL, you get a DH opportunity in there. The Yankees are not facing the Rays of old. Uh, the pitching staff is, you know, we know how the Yankees do against bad pitching. This is not predictive, but it is true. They're not facing Tyler Glass now. Pete Fairbanks hit the IL today. Nick Anderson has been on the IL for a while. Uh, the bullpen isn't quite the same, and the starting staff certainly isn't. It's Rich Hill and Chris Archer. And a question mark against Jordan Montgomery on Sunday, which seems fairly encouraging. If the Yankees can hit bad pitching, perhaps they can hit no one. Maybe the Rays don't put a starting pitcher in there and yeah, they only hit that person. Um, you and I obviously have low <laughs> expectations for the Tampa series. I would say a wish fulfillment is getting Judge on the field once and winning two of these games would be fantastic. We just want to escape with a victory. Um, I do also, though, just want to shout out, uh, while we're blasting the Yankees medical staff, um, another instance of, of potential medical neglect emerge this week that may have flown under your radar because it doesn't have to deal with a current Yankee, but new Seattle Mariners lefty James Paxton, yeah. Tommy John surgery recommended after an inning plus uh, of pitching in, in 2021. We knew this was coming last year. He had a flexor tendon UCL issue last summer. His velocity was at like 89, 90. He looked terribly at all the symptoms of someone who needed Tommy John didn't get the surgery, wasn't recommended for whatever reason, said he was going to come back for the playoffs, didn't do that. That made no sense, and so he obviously did not return. Goes back to the Mariners, pitching full bore this year. Uh, Velo's back. He gets this UCL injury in game one of the season and says, well, the pain's not as bad as it was last year with the Yankees, so hopefully that's an optimistic thing and maybe we can avoid something. And Tommy John is recommended. If Tommy John had been recommended last year, he saved six or seven months of James Paxton's career. And I don't really see how these are possibly separate issues. 
So I think it's fair to call that one another like questionable Yankees training staff oversight. It feels like it absolutely ter- dude, uh, like heartbroken for James Paxton, like Awful. the amount of shit that he's had to go through. It's like, and then another thing I don't want to say, but we, we saw it coming the second he had a forearm issue. He just had the back issue. I don't want to make any assumptions, but you have to guess that when you're laboring back through a through a significant uh, procedure such as back surgery, probably putting a little bit more pressure on your arm, and then that may have resulted in the flexor strain in the forearm. But then every time you see these flexor strain issues, they are somewhat longer term in terms of uh, rehabilitation, or they just require Tommy John surgery and. That was kind of the feeling that everybody had when it first happened. It's like, great, this is a Tommy John situation. We're not going to see Paxson anymore. But then the offseason came and you were looking around thinking, all right, what are the Yankees going to do? And are you going to gamble on an injury prone Paxton or are you going to gamble on an injury prone Corey Kluber uh, of uh, in recent years, Corey Kluber is historically not injury prone, but the last couple of years uh, injuries have cropped up, kept him off the field for the most part. So I think the answer was pretty easy there. You go with Kluber, who's a two time Cy Young winner. Um, and uh, it, it was nice to see Paxton land back in Seattle where it all started for him, but um, I, this was entirely predictable for me. And it's, it, it, it does suck that the first thing that was said was, Oh, this wasn't the same pain I felt last year. And I'm just looking at the video. I'm like, dude, you like you pulled up and then you immediately left the mound. Like there was no question. He, he was gone off the mound within yeah. 15 seconds. So it's like, that doesn't usually happen. Like if you have a, if you have a minor f- forearm issue, it's not abrupt. Like maybe you'll finish the inning. You'll be like, ah, dude, like this is bothering me. Like I'm not going back in very rarely. Is it? Oh yeah. I'm coming out of this game. Like those instances are Tommy John or shoulder tear or something much more significant. So, um, uh, all our best to James Paxson, man. I hope he's able to get back on track for probably what? 2023 now end of 2022 uh, at best. And that's of, the end year. Yeah. End of next year, bad best, but um, you know he served the Yankees well in that one year uh, as the number two, two, three starter, whatever, whatever it was. He he earned his pinstripes on that awesome outing against the Red Sox that I don't think a lot of fans are going to forget. That was so electrifying, but um, just terrible news. And yeah, I, I think another indictment on the Yankees training staff. Like, what's going on? What are you guys doing? Let's let's get it together, please. Yeah, I mean, crazy that, you know, the James Paxton era will probably not be remembered fondly by many because of the way 2019 ended and because of the complete absence of a 2020. He was supposed to be a two year acquisition and he pitched a year. So sad, like and I think a lot of people are going to let 2020 cloud their vision. But that game against the Red Sox was iconic. Turn that season around. The Red Sox were trying to defend a 108 win world title and they basically couldn't get out of their own way all year in large part because of the way the Yankees and James Paxton and Mike Talkman smacked them in the mouth early in that season. And then uh, the playoffs start in game five to preserve that Astros series. And when he asked to stay back on the mound, finished off Robinson Chirinos, almost gave up a devastating home run, but got through the Astros and just buzzsawed them. Uh, and so he's got two iconic moments in a Yankee career that was far too short. Uh, we'll remember Mike, <laughs> Mike, we'll remember, <laughs> we'll remember Mike Paxton so fondly. Um, we'll remember James Paxton well. And I, you know, I just posited last week after what we saw at the end of spring training 
whether he would have been a smarter addition over Corey Kluber. Um, and obviously Kluber regained a semblance of his command in his first game, and Paxton is already off the board. So dreadful. <laughs> the Mariners ultimately come out the winners in that trade, I guess. But you know, you cannot forget the 2019 season. Bottle that up, and, and I miss I miss the mojo of 2019, which is crazy to say, considering uh, almost every major player on that team was injured for a significant length of time. It was all backups playing the vast majority of that season, and yet. For some reason, that is still sort of the season I equate to magic. 2017 felt like the Yankees arriving too early. 2018, they got their thunder completely stolen. 2019 felt like the right combination of talent and magic and late inning, you know, skill and calm and drive. I don't know what it was, but my main qualm with the 2021 season so far through only a week is I just don't feel any of that. They've already gotten bilked out of victories by the extra innings rule twice. Um, they don't have the end of game finishing skills that they had in 2019, which felt like the perfect storm. And we were robbed yet again at the hands of the Astros. So when we come back, we are going to talk about the various failings in the late innings in week one of the season, exemplified by a certain shortstop who probably shouldn't be playing that position. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Inks Go Yard podcast. Glaber Torres is still not a shortstop after that break. Thomas, you can't put it any simpler than this. And, and I, for me, this is the whole this is the whole issue. Obviously, Glaber Torres, the Yankees did not lose the game after Glaber Torres' throwing error gave the Orioles the lead in the 10th. Fallacy, the predetermined outcome. If the game stays tied, who knows if Kyle Higashioka pockets a pitch into right field and drives in Tyler Wade for the tying run, which Michael K called the tying run. Wade was almost out. So one of the most ridiculous calls of the year. I digress. Mm. All I care, I don't, I don't particularly care. I've seen this point made uh, plenty in the aftermath of the Torres error, which of course broke a tie that should never have been broken. I don't need, I don't particularly care about Glaber Torres' range. If it's a run worse than other shortstops, et cetera, if it's just passable and not good, if it's even trending towards bad, um, as long as he hits 30, 35 homers or hits 310, 320 with 20 to 25 homers and better situational hitting. I don't mind if his range factor is a little down. What I do mind is the inability to make routine plays and what appears to be Miguel Andujar-esque yips. Uh, Derek Jeter's range, obviously terrible, but it didn't particularly matter much in the end because when you needed him to make a play, he would, and he would turn uh, what might look normal to other shortstops into these spectacular jump throws. That's Derek Jeter. Don't expect that out of Glaber Torres. But if the range is a little below average, but he makes all the routine plays, then that is fine with me as long as he's got his offense under control. But for now, it seems like his offense is suffering, and so is his fielding, and he cannot handle plays that essentially any other major league shortstop would. No, and uh, the, I don't think anybody was expecting exceptional defense because we've seen we've seen since 2019 the shortcomings that he has. We don't entirely understand where they come from because he's played shortstop for most of his life, but they're there, and it's something we have to deal with. And of course, we don't want to continue this narrative, but this narrative won't go away. He had blame. There were some people blaming Jay Bruce for not catching that ball, and it's like Jay Bruce doesn't play first base, dude. And he already caught that disastrous Chad Green throw. So how many, how many, how many like game-saving plays do you need a non-first baseman to make? Labor Torres simply has to make that throw. And Aaron Boone has already, we're, we're six games in. And after the fourth game or the third game, he's already commenting on Glaber being passive on defense. 
And that's the issue too. I don't think we need exceptional range. I think we need his bat to return to a semblance of a form that it once was. And we need him to just not, I don't want to be gasping every time there's a grounder hit his way. And I think that's what a lot of Yankee fans are doing right now. And they're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because of the evidence that that's been put forth. And he somehow was not charged with an error or two in that blue Jay series. Uh, an error or two more than he was already charged with. He had an error in that series. He's got, he's already got three errors in the first six games. And one could argue that it, it, it should be four or five. And that's really, really bad. Um, especially because none of the plays that have gone his way have been, have required exceptional uh, efforts. Um, and the problem here is that he's there. It seems to be a mental thing. I don't want to definitively say that, but you know, you watch baseball players, you kind of have an idea of what's going on and the pressure that they're facing. And uh, the Yankees didn't really do Glaber Torres any favors this offseason. Let's, let's start. I'm not going to make any excuses for the guy. He's a professional yeah. baseball player, but when your general manager doesn't entirely give you a vote of confidence, when there's uh, a lot of trade rumors surrounding the team, uh, in regards to that position. Um, and when there's a lot of question marks being like, Oh great. DJ LeMay, who's back. But now this creates uh, an infield situation where we're not sure what the future is because Glaber Torres still has to prove himself at shortstop and 2021 is the year to do it. Uh, not a lot of things going his way in the media in terms of the baseball discourse. Um, so you have to think if he's seeing that or if he's hearing that that's affecting him mentally. Um, but you could tell the instincts uh, on defense are not there. And that's also the problem with Gary Sanchez. We, nobody wants Gary Sanchez to be a gold glove catcher. People just don't want Gary Sanchez to lead the league in pass balls or drop pop-ups behind the plate. That that's, that's what it comes down to. Uh, Gary thankfully has kind of overshadowed his largely lackluster defensive performance to start the year with he's probably the Yankees best hitter at this point. Um, but when you're not making the routine plays, you don't have, like, like you just said, we don't, we don't need the backhands in the hole and the off balance throws, you know, that's what Gio Rochelle is doing. We already have that show at the hot corner. We don't need every defensive player to do that for a shortstop, which is a very important position. You need security in, especially in the later innings when there's a situation, when there's a runner on third and there's two outs and you need to, you need to throw the guy and you need to throw the guy out. And the, the broadcast booth is saying, Oh, for the two misplays that he made one against the blue Jays and one against the Orioles are saying, Oh, he's seeing somebody hustle out of the box. It's like, dude, who cares if he sees him hustling out of the box, your job is to get the ball to set your feet and to throw it. And every time there is a play where there is a fast runner coming out of the box, or there's a, a runner in scoring position, he Glaber Torres seems to always have a problem getting the ball secured, exchanging it from his glove to his throwing hand. And you saw that very clearly on those two plays over the last week. So um, I, once again, I don't want this narrative to continue, but it's something that has to be talked about because guess what? I don't think anybody's going to rule out a midseason trade if this defense does not improve, because this is very much a year in which the Yankees are trying to go for it. Um, and if Trevor Story is available at the deadline and you can include Glaber Torres in a package and maybe get a pitcher in exchange as well, because remember, uh, Trevor Story is hitting free agency uh, at the end of this year. So uh, his value is decreasing by the day. Obviously, it will still be high priced, but uh, it's not going to be 
Uh, it's not going to be anywhere near it was in the offseason or even bef- at last year's uh, trade deadline. So if the Yankees can swoop in there and get themselves Trevor Story and maybe get their hands on a pitcher and do some tinkering, if Glaber de- if Glaber's defense continues to be very much under par and his bat is not coming around, uh, it's something that fans have to consider as a reality and not just you know shrug it off as oh here here come the doomsday fans or here comes the doomsday media. It's not that at all. It's shortstop's a very important position. The basic plays need to be made, and we've seen already multiple instances at the onset of 2021, which is a pivotal year for for the young guy. And it's not turning out in the way anybody had hoped it would. And you have to expect, you have to realize that the Yankees organization is looking at that and they're going to make the necessary moves. And remember, the Yankees have not made a, has it been three years they haven't made like a a significant move at the deadline or has it been two? This will be the third. I mean, when's the last one you can remember? Todd Freeman, David Robertson. Yeah. Jay Happ in 2018, I guess. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So 2019 and 2020, they did not make deadline moves when you could argue they probably needed one more move to get over the hump, whether it was pitching, whether it was another veteran bat, whatever, whatever, whatever you, whatever you think it is, if you think that there was room to improve, the Yankees probably should have improved. Now, if they're facing a question as big as Gleyber Torres, not being able to perform up to par, you have to think that they're going to make up for the, the last two years of inactivity and, and probably do something on something closer to the blockbuster side. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not a Yankee fan who's like demanding Derek Jeter back and living in the past. I just do feel like I'm now put in a position that I've been in too often as a fan of this team of trying to defend the indefensible. I can't defend what Glaber Torres has done at shortstop yet. I can't defend the team's plan to roll with Glaber Torres at shortstop without a caddy. I can't defend Gary Sanchez not running from first to second on a line drive single to right and not running on a fly ball. To, like I can't defend these things. I couldn't defend Miguel and Duhar's defense at third. It just feels like too often other teams, the happiest fans in baseball over the past 12 years have been Yankee haters because at every turn, the Yankees have a significant liability. They don't correct at every turn. The Yankees opt for the second or third option in line instead of the top option. And at every turn, the Yankees, even when they've assembled a perfect club to come to injuries and fail in the clutch. So I, you know, you can't quantify clutchness. It's this ridiculous thing to try to quantify clutchness. But until I have a counter argument, I'm left spinning my wheels and arguing against things that I cannot defend. Uh, And that's where I'm at with Glaber Torres too. But the front office, so the front office does deserve blame here. Obviously Um, the caddy for Glaber Torres is Tyler Wade. And once again, that hamstrung the entire roster all off season long because he was grandfathered onto the roster. He's the fastest guy on the team. He can't even be used to pinch run. Mike talking gets all the first string pinch running options because they're so scared about going into extra innings and potentially losing a backup shortstop and having to go with Geo at short or something in an emergency scenario. So Wade's good for absolutely nothing other than being the only, like the last line of defense against Glaber Torres' struggles. But if you wanted them to pursue a starting caliber shortstop this offseason, like Didi Gregorius, like Andrelton Simmons, these stop stop gaps before the big class comes, then then you wanted them to get rid of DJ LeMahieu. Or you wanted them to trade Gio Urshela, or you wanted them to trade Luke Voigt. There's too many infielders. You you can't can't do both. Now that they've committed to DJ LeMahieu, something that we were almost unwilling to entertain the idea of getting rid of DJ LeMahieu because it was sad and sickening, and there are certain people who you just want to root for. I want DJ LeMahieu on this team long-term. The best case scenario for me would be if Glaber Torres was the shortstop long-term, but after a spring of progress, he's got the same yips as ever entering the regular season. So it's hard to make the argument that they absolutely needed to spend 11 or $12 million 
on another starting shortstop for one year instead of committing long-term to DJ LeMahieu, who I do think will age pretty well and is a pretty key cog in this, pardon the pun, machine. But not getting Glaber Torres a valuable and viable backup shortstop is sort of a ridiculous oversight. All it takes is one bad week for fans to be clamoring for someone to fill that spot, even temporarily, and it's Tyler Wade. Even Freddie Galvis from the Orioles would have been a great addition. There are so many $1 to $2 million backup shortstops who have been helpful pieces to have on this bench. And then you can lose Tyler Wade for either an ancillary prospect piece or absolutely nothing. The Yankees clearly more than willing to lose valuable pieces for absolutely nothing this offseason, considering they gave Garrett Whitlock to the Red Sox for free, who may or may not be in the Red Sox rotation next year. Um, but yet they can't do anything. They can't part. God forbid they part with Tyler Wade to make even a slight veteran upgrade at that position. Not giving Glaber Torres a friend behind him to lead him along the way is sort of a ridiculous oversight by this team. I agree. But guess what? We have a couple of positives here. So let's end the we, day. I don't, let's do end, we really? Let's end the pizza Friday with some positives, dude. Yeah. Well, we had a well, clutch hit by Gio Rochelle, who had a, who's had a little bit of a tough start to the year coming back from the elbow surgery, which was all expected. But guess what? Tied the game in the bottom of the eighth, gave us a chance. Sorry, the rest of the lineup couldn't do it. Brett Gardner once again appears in the lineup. Two hits, one run scored. Got to like what you see there. More importantly, Jameson Tyone's first start in over 700 days. Yes. Four and two-thirds, three hits, two earned runs on two mistake pitches that were solo home runs. Seven strikeouts. Uh, his accuracy fully wasn't there. He had 74 pitches, 47-1 for strikes. But guess what? You can't really ask for much of a better performance uh, from him after that long layoff and after it was very clear his control and accuracy weren't out there in spring training. Uh, he's still working his way back up. Congrats to the man. We're sorry that the lineup blew it for you, but such is life in New York. And then what? Nick Nelson, one and a third scoreless. Darren O'Day, another scoreless. Jonathan Loisega, sharp yes. as ever, scoreless. Aroldis Chapman, splitter, looking filthy. Three strikeouts in his one inning. Luis Sessa comes in. Did what he could. Pretty whatever. good. Yeah. Chad Green, uh, two unearned runs. He gave up one hit and a walk. So, I mean, <laughs> what's going to – he should have been out. He should have been out of the inning. The Yankees should have won. But so, once again, starting rotation, bullpen, getting the job done, more than you could ask for, and the lineup is choking. But guess what? Six games in, we're hoping this is not a trend. We want to see the defense tighten up. We want to see a little bit more situational hitting. Don't need Clint Frazier and Jay Bruce swinging out of their shoes when all we need is to just get the ball in the air. But we'll learn as time goes on. Hopefully we turn things around against the Rays this week. It'd be very nice if we could just finally punk the team that punked us for the last two years, especially when they are far, far from the squad that they were over the last two years. So get your pizzas early today. Let's start it off at two, maybe crack a beer. Uh, we're almost at summer Fridays here. So, you know, treat it as such. Um, and let's take that. Let's 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 end the pot on the high note. Look at what we have in front of us. That's good. And then hopefully the bad just fixes itself because this lineup is far too talented for it to not do that. Yeah. ERA in the high ones, I believe 1.74 through six games. You could not be happier. Best since what, 1920 something? All the other, I mean, it, I think it's the sixth best in team history, maybe fifth best, but all the others are 21, 51, yeah. 19, Ridiculous. 12, yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah. couldn't couldn't pitch better as a as a Johnny Holstaff through six games. Love what you see. And that includes Domingo Herman getting rocked early yeah. and Michael King caddying for him. There are so, uh, for the first time in a long time, there are so many arms here. And like a lot of people have said, high exit velocity from the batters, a lot of balls finding holes, a lot of hits, knocked around John Means, just couldn't get that situational hit. 
a sad thing that occurred early in the season. But if they, sadly, crazily enough, what the Yankees needed was like a three-run homer in that game. They couldn't get it. Fans have been arguing about too many home runs for so long that they racked up like nine singles and, and couldn't get a run home. And fans, were you, were you guys happy about that? Did you love that? Were you like, finally, they're doing what I want, not scoring. Um, <laughs> they they can hit. They, they can hit. They're hitting with all the underlying metrics are, are there. And so are the, you know, surface stats. They're racking up hits. They're just not quite hitting for enough power yet, and they're not coming through in scenarios, which they will come through later in the year. Now, it does only get harder from here. It's the Rays and Blue Jays on the road. A lot of good teams in the American League, uh, but they took the series against the Orioles. We're whining and complaining about the last game because we wanted a sweep. They took two out of three, and they pitched their asses off all series long uh, and against the Blue Jays as well. So a lot of positives so far. Let's go down into Tampa, and let's get one or two, maybe feel a little bit better about ourselves. And whatever happens with Aaron Judge, unless it is some sort of devastating uh, absolutely, utterly devastating thing, which I, I, I you know, I, I'm going to knock on wood and I can't say in either direction. How about that? I won't say. Um, but I, I, we assume he hits the IL and guess what? The sky's not falling. There's a lot of bats here and things will get better. That's it for this Pizza Friday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and a mailbag question if that's something that fits your desires. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, one more shout out here. Mike Talkman, uh, limited playing time, called upon to do some base running, and he's been on fire. Stealing bases, scored on uh, that Gio Rochelle du- uh, double from first base to tie the game in the bottom of the eighth. Can't say enough about him delivering in limited reps. We know how hard that is for major leaguers, so that was one of the other positives. But in the meantime, guys, Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We're pumping out the content. Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We're running that baby live all day, but specifically during game time. Uh, and until then, have a good weekend, everyone. And we'll talk to you next on Monday. Hey, enjoy your weekend. We'll see you Monday. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C O R I E N T.com. Corient.com.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.